Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray that as we reflect now on your magnificence, that you will uh, help us to delight in what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and to long to be in your presence. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been in the presence of greatness? Uh, maybe you've met one of your heroes or, or heroines or, or you've met some other famous person. I've had a few brushes with greatness over the years. Uh, I vividly remember when I was a teenager. Uh, I was standing at a petrol station on Victoria Road in North Parramatta, just uh, near where I used to work. I was putting petrol in my car. Uh, I turned around and I saw, I'm not lying, I saw the Queen. Queen Elizabeth II herself. Uh, she was being driven past in a limousine. I smiled and waved and she smiled and waved right back at me. Now, I suspect she might not remember the moment. It's probably not going to be in her memoirs or anything like that. But I remember my, my moment in the presence of the Queen. I've also been in the presence of some sporting greats over the years, uh, although it didn't always go well. Um, there was the time I was working in a nightclub. Uh, I'd just closed the bar. A bloke came up to the bar and insisted that I serve him a drink. I said, no, I'm sorry, the bar is closed. And he started threatening me, swearing at me, threatening me, calling me all sorts of rude names. Uh, I called a bouncer over and he courteously escorted the man out of the nightclub. And then the bouncer came back to me and he said, do you know who that was? I said, no. He said, that was Benny Elias, captain of the Australian Rugby League team. I said, well, he needs to learn some manners. Another time I was at the aquarium in Manly with my kids and uh, a bloke with a wife and a couple of kids just needed to get past us. And he said, excuse me, mate, can, do you mind if I go through here? I said, sure, mate, no worries. My boys are tapping me on the shoulder. Like this. They said, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? I said, no. They said, that's Andrew Johns, a rugby league immortal. I said, well, at least he has some manners. As I think I've told you before, um, I've also been in the presence of some of my theological heroes over the years, although again it hasn't always gone to plan. Uh, I remember when I met my hero Don Carson. Uh, unfortunately in his presence I was too shy to say anything to him, I just kind of stood there <laughs> in awkward silence admiring him. <laughs> I think he thought I was something on that case. Anyway, later I was, uh, I was kicking myself about it. And so a couple of years later, I got to meet my hero, Tim Keller. And so I, I made sure I went up to, to, to Tim Keller. But again, once I got into his presence, things didn't go to plan either. I said, oh, Mr. Keller, I just want to say how much your books have meant to me. They've been, they've been so helpful to me. I've just loved your books. And he looked down at me. He must be about 12 feet tall, that guy, right? He looks down and he goes, and you are had an absolute panic attack. I said, no one, and I ran away. <laughs> Again, I was kicking myself about it later. And so a couple of years later, um, I, I got the opportunity to meet another of my heroes, a man by the name of Michael Horton. So I, I screwed up my courage and, and I went up to him and I said, oh, Mr. Horton, look, I, I just wanna say, your books have meant so much to me, they've really helped me so much. 
And he said, well, thank you for saying so. And, and, and what's your name? I said, well, my name is Jeff Reed." And he said, oh, you must be Carmelina's husband. <laughs> so there you go. As it turns out, I get to be in the presence of greatness every day. <laughs> As you can see from the heading of this psalm, uh, it's written by the sons of Korah. Now, that makes them part of an Israelite tribe, the tribe of Levi. You can also see that it's a song. It's a, it's a psalm that's meant to be put to music and sung. You see that? Because in the heading, it uh, says that it's for the director of music. Uh, and you can also see that it's according to Gittith. Uh, that word, Gittith, it, it can mean uh, from Gath. Uh, Gath was a city of the Philistines. Uh, so maybe it's got something to do with the time when King David was there or something. Maybe it's the, the style of music that came from Gath. Or maybe it's to be played on an instrument that came from the city of Gath. Or maybe it's got nothing whatsoever to do with the city of Gath. Um, some people say that the word Gath can also mean wine press. Quite what that means about this psalm, I'm not sure. Um, no one really knows what according to Gittith means in this context, and that's why NIV writes according to Gittith. They don't translate it because they don't know how to translate it. Have a look at the heading with me, the heading of Psalm 84. For the director of music, according to Gittith, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Now, Psalmist starts off by talking about how much he loves being in the dwelling place of God. Now he's referring here to the Old Testament temple. Um, back in the Old Testament, they, they built a temple. It was a building in the city of Jerusalem. It was built uh, uh, in the time of, of King Solomon, during the reign of King Solomon. And it was a place where God, where he, he, he lived there in a special way. Now, of course, there's a sense in which God lives everywhere, isn't there? theologians call his omnipresence but but God promised that he would dwell in this temple in a special way so that he'd be present with his people in relationship with his people hearing their prayers that kind of thing and, and that's why the psalmist loves being in the temple it's not just that it's a pretty building but it's because God is there in this special way the psalmist well, the psalmist loves God he loves God and he longs to be in the presence of God. His, he says that his soul longs for God. He says that his, his heart longs for God. He, he longs for God so strongly, it's like he can, he can physically feel it. Have a look with me there in verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That is strong language, isn't it? That is really emotive language. A soul yearning, even fainting. Um, heart and, and flesh crying out to God. Try to get a picture of what it's like. It reminds me a little bit of doing crash. Some of those kids, they desperately long for their parents' presence. Their parents heartlessly abandon them, <laughs> leave them in crèche. And it is like the end of the world. They cry and they wail. They kick 
and they scream. They hold their hands out to their mum, don't leave me. They, they refuse to be comforted. I remember holding one particular baby, probably now sitting here among us in the youth group or something, <laughs> and he screamed for the entire hour and a half that I held him, just longing to be comforted by his mum. My kids were never like that. <laughs> they were always glad to get rid of me. It's like, see you, Dad. Out you go. You can go. You're cramping my style. Um, but for some kids, it's like this. They desperately long to be in the presence of their parents. The psalmist is a bit like that. His heart longs for the presence of God. Uh, he even says there that his flesh longs for God's presence. That's a vivid image, isn't it, as well? His uh, Last few weeks... I've been on a diet. I doubt you can notice. It's very difficult to diet at this time of year. After five weeks of killing myself on this diet, I've lost 300 grams. <laughs> I hope you can notice it. Um, haven't really managed to lose any weight. But I have gotten a sense of what the psalmist means here. It's like my flesh has been crying out for steak. <laughs> and ice cream. And chocolate. It, it, it's a physical longing that's, that's the sort of thing the psalmist is feeling. It's, it's almost painful, his longing to be in the presence of God. Uh, the psalmist goes on to point out some birds in the temple. He says, even birds can find a place here. How blessed are birds to be in the presence of God? Well, how much more then are people who get to be in the temple blessed? They get to be in God's presence and to praise him all the time. Verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Loves the presence of God. Right, in the next section, the psalmist goes on to consider people who are making uh, the pilgrimage to God's temple. Let me give you a quick bit of background. The people of Israel, they were supposed to come to the temple in Jerusalem three times every year. Um, wherever they lived in the land, they were supposed to pack up and, and, and make the trip to Jerusalem, come to the temple to celebrate three of the festivals during the year. Well, the psalmist, he thinks about these pilgrims making their way up to the temple for the festivals, making their way up to the presence of God. And he says, those who make the pilgrimage are blessed by God. God is pleased with them. He favours them. He also says God gives them strength. No doubt they need that. Um, for, would have been hard work making your way to Jerusalem. For many people, it would have been a very, very long walk, carrying all their stuff. But the psalmist says God will strengthen them. And he also says, uh, an interesting thing there, he says that they make the valley of Baca, a place of springs. Now, it's not, not exactly clear what that means. Uh, some people say that the valley of Baca, it's a literal valley, it's the valley near the city of Jerusalem, um, in which case the psalmist is saying, saying something like that as the pilgrims, uh, as they obey God and come to the temple three times a year, they bring God's blessing to the promised land. They, they bring fruitfulness and fertility to the promised land. Uh, but it's also possible... Uh, that um, this word Barker can mean tears, tears, crying tears, in which case the valley of Barker, the valley of tears, is probably a metaphor, wouldn't you say? What, what does it mean to go through the valley of tears? Something like 
metaphor for going through sad times, something like that. In which case, what's the psalmist saying? Those pilgrims, as they, as they come to the presence of God, God will turn their tears to joy. As, they, as God brings them to himself, as they get to be in the presence of God, it doesn't matter what kind of valleys and pain they've been through, they will have in God joy. Verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. It's thought about the pilgrims coming to the presence of God. Uh, next thing the psalmist does is, is he prays for the king. The, the anointed one, he calls him. He uses the word that we translate, Messiah. Uh, kings were called messiahs, they were called anointed ones because uh, they were anointed with oil when they were declared to be king. Now, we don't know who the king was at the time of this psalm, maybe King Solomon, maybe another later king of Judah, but, but whoever he was, the psalmist describes the king as a shield for the nation. In other words, the king protects the nation, and, and he, he protects the people and, and the temple so that people can't, can come near to God, so they can come into the presence of God in the temple. The king's got an important role. Uh, you don't have the king, there's no security in the nation, there's no, there's no security for the temple, people can't come into the, the, the presence of God. And so the psalmist prays for the king, asks God to, to look with favour on the anointed king. Verse 8. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob, Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. So he's thought about how he longs to be in the presence of God. He's thought about the pilgrims. He's prayed for the king. And now the psalmist finishes off by, by thinking again, as he did at the beginning, about how great, how magnificent it is to be in the presence of God. He reckons better to have the, 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 the lowest position in the presence of God than to have the highest position away from God. Better to be a, a slave in the presence of God than to be a king and not have God. He says God is a sun. He brings light and life. He says God is a, a shield. He protects his people. He says God gives his people favour and honour and every good thing. It really is a good thing to trust God really is a good thing to be in right relationship with God. It really is a good thing to be in the presence of God. Verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Okay, can you see, can you see what's here then in Psalm 84? Four sections that the, the, the psalmist is talking about how great it is to be in the presence of God. He talks about how he longs to be in the presence of God. 
talks about how blessed the pilgrims are who are heading up to be in the presence of God, prays for the king who protects the temple so people can be in the presence of God, and then finally says again, the best thing is to be in God's presence. Do you know what, friends? I have great news for you. You can be in the presence of God. You can be in the presence of God. You can have what the psalmist longed for. You can get a taste of it even now. But then ultimately, you can be in the presence of God face to face forever. On your outline there, I've got a verse from 1 Peter. I'm sure it's a verse that you know. It's a very famous verse. But just just look at it in, in this context. Peter says that Jesus died in our place for our sin. Uh, Jesus, who was fully righteous, died for us who are unrighteous. And why? Can you see it there? It's on your outline. It's so we can be in God's presence. On your outline there, right-hand side, halfway down. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous, Jesus, for the unrighteous, you and me, to bring you to God. Jesus brings us into the presence of God. When, when we trust Jesus, God comes to us by his Holy Spirit. Uh, so we have even now a foretaste of, of, of being in the presence of God, even here on earth, even now, sinners though we are, we can have a sense of, of, of God being our Father. Even here and now on earth, sinners as we are, we can have a sense of what it is to be saved and under the lordship of Jesus. Even here on earth, sinners though we are, we, we can get a sense of the Spirit working in us, enabling us to trust Jesus, enabling us to serve Jesus, live for him. Even now we get a taste, but then ultimately uh, Jesus is going to come and he's going to take us home to be with God forever. Jesus promised it to everyone who relies on him. Again from your outline there, famous verses from John chapter 14. Jesus speaking and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You can be in the presence of God. Put your faith in Jesus. There will be a place for you in the Father's house. Friends, I know it's old news. I'm sure it's something you've heard a thousand times. But you look at this psalm and you get a sense of the, the emotion of this psalm. And... It really is very precious news, isn't it? This is a good future, a happy ending. I'm not sure what you're looking forward to about heaven. I mean, there's plenty to look forward to, isn't there? And no more suffering or mourning or crying or pain, no more frustration or sickness or injustice. That the world will be new, we ourselves will be transformed so that we no longer sin. That there's plenty to look forward to. But friends, here's the ultimate thing to look forward to. 
God will be there. We will be in the presence of God. Just, just stop for a moment and imagine with me for a moment what is it going to be like? It's actually hard to imagine, isn't it? Hard to imagine what it will be to be in the presence of God. But, but the psalm gives us a couple of clues. Let, let's work with them for a little while. God will be like the sun. Have you ever been in a freezing cold house and just seen the beam of sun shining through the window and lying at the bottom is, of course, the dog or the cat. But move the dog or cat out of the way and just bask in the warmth of the sun, shining goodness and warmth and love onto us. Can, can, can you picture basking in the glorious presence of God? just delighting in his sheer excellence and perfection and beauty and holiness and love. Whoa. It also says God will be like a shield, will be um, safe, secure, protected. Can you picture that? I go back to crash in my mind. Um, Have you ever seen at the end of crash? A small child being put back safe into the arms of their mum or dad. You can see it in their face. It's like everything is right with the world. That feeling of complete security. Nothing can harm me. There's just a glimpse of what it will be like to be safe in the arms of our Heavenly Father, our shield. What else does the psalm say? God will bestow favour and honour on us. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Think about it for a second. God will bestow on us favour and honour. We'll be the um, envy of the universe. No good thing will God withhold. And God will have everything that we long for, everything we were made for, will be filled with Delight and satisfaction and joy. Um, author Adrian Plass, in one of his books, he, he was talking to a wise friend about heaven. He's feeling quite worried about it, worried that he might be bored or disappointed or something like that. And so he said to his friend, what do you think it's going to be like? His friend said, Adrian, what's your favourite thing? Adrian Plass said, cricket. And his friend said to him, then Adrian, for you, being in the presence of God... It'll be like the feeling of scoring a century against Australia at Lords. Maybe that doesn't do it for you. But you get an idea, can't you? Can, can you imagine the feeling that the glory, the, the joy, honoured by the God of the universe? That's what it'll feel like. Only better and forever. I reckon it'll be good, don't you? A happy ending to the story of our lives. And do you know what? This is not, this is not a fairy tale. This is true. This is guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has won this future for us. It is something to look forward to, isn't it? In fact, if, if we could only get a sense of how good it will be, I suspect we'd be more like the psalmist. Don't you? 
hearts would long for the presence of God. Our souls would yearn, even faint, to be in the presence of God, of the living God. It's easy though, isn't it, to get so caught up with the stuff of this this life that we can kind of lose this sense. Um, We get so busy with the stuff of this world that we forget the incredible future that lies before us. We, We lose that joy, we lose that hope, we lose that longing, we lose that perspective. I reckon that's a shame, don't you? We're really missing out. So, friends, it's worth remembering this stuff. Worth taking time to reflect on it. I reckon maybe as as you head into 2020 and perhaps as things slow down for you, now's a good chance. Just take out some time. Take some time to, to just meditate on the hope that is yours in Jesus. Friends, through Jesus, we will be in the presence of greatness, way greater than being in the presence of the Queen in North Parramatta, certainly way greater than being in the presence of some of these sporting heroes, better even than being in the presence of a theological hero. We will be in the presence of a greatness infinitely superior to any other greatness, and there is no way that we're going to be disappointed, no way that we're going to mess it up. It's going to be glorious. John Piper puts it this way. He says that we will be, and I quote, enthralled with what is most deeply and durably satisfying, namely God himself. Enthralled with what is most deeply and durably satisfying, God himself. Friends, let me end with a picture of our future. Uh, It's from the book of Revelation. I've put it on your outline there. Just get the sense of the the joy and the adoration and remember that when we've been there 10,000 years we've no less days to sing God's praise this really is something to long for friends if you're trusting Jesus here's your future on your outline they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the most enthralling, the most deeply and durably satisfying entity that there is. And so we pray, would you bring it on, bring on that day when we get to be in your presence. Father, even now as we have a a glimpse of this, we we help us by your spirit to, to love you and to live for you and to long for that day when we see you face to face. We pray it in Jesus' name.